Hello, and welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire with Christian and Gabriel. The podcast where Gabriel and I will revisit the 1980s year by year, potentially rediscovering or learning new things about that decade through pop culture. Welcome, everybody, back to Season 2, the year 1980. The 1980 Summer Olympics are held in Moscow, Soviet Union. 82 countries boycott the Games. Athletes from 16 of them participate under a neutral flag. U.S. President Jimmy Carter announces that the United States will boycott the 1980 Summer Olympics in Moscow because of the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. The 1980 Winter Olympics open in Lake Placid, New York. The U.S. defeats Soviet Union on ice hockey and was labeled the Miracle on Ice. The Empire Strikes Back, the second of the projected 12 Star Wars films produced by George Lucas, is released in the United States. And the Killer Clown. And, oh. And it's not about Russia. And it's not about Russia. Yes, we did. Back, despite we, contrary other news. We did have we did have a little bit of a theme going. And the Killer Clown, John Wayne Gacy Jr., sentenced to death for the murder of. 33 boys and young men. I uh, I remember Miracle on Ice because of a movie. I didn't know about all the other politics about the 1980 Olympics. And then obviously The Empire Strikes Back. The best of the Star Wars films. It's a highlight for sure. Yeah, the uh, I, the movie was real good for Miracle on Ice. But uh, other than knowing Russia bad... Uh, I also had a uh, gap in knowledge about quite how politically fraught. Uh, I didn't even know that that the Soviet Union had invaded Afghanistan in 1980, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they would rather everyone forget. Probably. Don't worry, we'll get there. We will, we will. All right, so because of our new format, it's 1980. Who was born in 1980? Let's talk about some... Let's talk about some noteworthy births in 1980. Lynn manuel Miranda, Puerto Rican-American actor, composer, and writer, best known, best known for Hamilton, obviously, but also for In the Heights before that and just about every other song after that, born in 1980. American actress, singer, and musician Zoe Deschanel, famous for New Girl. I know she's, I also know she's like in the band that she did with like Gordon Joseph Lovett. But the uh, but New Girl was like that. I have actually seen more than once that entire season. It's a fantastic show, such an amazing. Okay, let me not, let me not oversell it. A very very funny sitcom, like really really funny. But not just because of her. It's just a, a ridiculously good cast. Everybody pulls their weight like really well. Uh, American actor and comedian Jason Segel, born in 1980. American actress Christina Ricci. American rapper, Gucci Mane. Here's a good one. Canadian actor, Ryan Goslin. That means Ryan Goslin is 42. One of the great Canadian Ryans. 
one of the I mean, aren't they all great though? <laughs> maybe maybe it's maybe it's something in the water. Maybe. And then American actor Jake Gyllenhaal. I mean, he is So look, if you look at this list, right? You have Lynn Manuel, I mean, he's on his own. Like that dude is like yeah, like uh you you're not going to compare him, right? But look at Zoe Deschanel and like Christina Ricci and Jason Segel. I think they're all kind of like around the same type of fame. I think Christina Ricci peaked and now she's at a plateau well like i think jason siegel eh, kind of peaked they all had their moments right mm-hmm. gucci main i think i think with any rapper or any any musician you're gonna have your ups and downs like gucci main had a moment then he lost it then the next hit's gonna put him back on there right but when you look at ryan gosling and jake gyllenhaal you're like these guys are like you know like superstars like movie yeah. stars a list i think you know yeah I really, you know, what's funny. I never liked Ryan Gosling in the beginning. Like, I, I've never seen The Notebook, and I have absolutely no intention of ever watching it. Um, but I think his comedic timing is really good. Like, I think he was really good in The Nice Guys with like um, Russell Crowe. That that he was fantastic in that. Uh, and Jake Gyllenhaal. I mean, he's just he's just a really great actor who picks really good roles. Yeah, talented. Yeah, but yeah, those those people uh, were born now because it's 1980 when we talk about death we're going to talk about iconic people who passed because if someone died in 1980 that means that their career was most likely over by then so unless you were born in the 40s or 50s you probably didn't keep up with somebody like that but certain people you're just you're just gonna it's impossible for you not to mention because they died right so first one is alfred hitchcock i'm a huge alfred hitchcock fan i think he redefine directing and i think he's probably influenced most directors nowadays from his work that's Uh, fair i think one of the greatest movies i've ever seen is rear window it's it's just near perfect um but yes he passed away 1980 and another good one steve mcqueen the fucking the king of cool you know not only was he like just a really cool guy an iconic um you know uh fashion icon and Everything else, I mean, responsible for, like, you know, leading uh, The Great Escape, Bullet. Bullet is a, a just a phenomenal movie, one of the greatest car ch- chasings in any movie, you know, up, up to that time. Just incredibly handsome, too. I mean, the man just had it all. Had it all. Let's talk about movies that came out in 1980. Now, this one, uh, this I was really excited for because I'm like, I, I, I feel like, these are easy for me to talk about because these are the movies I probably have seen the most because when I caught them, they were in reruns. So easier to have access to them, you know? They were already on videotape. They were already like, it wasn't like a movie that was coming out and then I had to wait and then, you know. Because back in the day, everybody, a movie came out in the theater and like six months later to a year, you could rent it. Forget trying to own it. I don't. I don't know if I knew people who owned movies back in the like late nineties, early two thousands. Honestly, I remember like our family would go and rent three movies on a Friday, you know, for like seven fifty or something. And you keep you would keep them from Friday to Sunday and return them on Sunday. And that's if you were one of the early people that got to the damn video store to rent them because they would have like of a new release, they would have like twenty or thirty copies. And if you were twenty one. They were not returning that movie that weekend, just for the record. Yeah, I uh, I think, I feel like the things we owned uh, on VHS were like, 
Disney, like car- like cartoon, you know? Okay. Like uh, classic cartoon stuff or things things tailored to kids because that's who you needed to entertain or otherwise occupy. And uh, still the library was a resource I remember frequently. Oh, wow. No, I, I did not. Movies from the library. I never rented movies from the library. I thought the library was for books. And then later, I don't, I can't remember much video store stuff before you had your chains. I remember chains. My mom loves movies, so we would frequent. We were patrons of Hollywood Video. When it Hollywood came to video, video stores, and Hollywood Video didn't exist when I was growing up, and it definitely wasn't in my neighborhoods. So it was always the local place that we went to. Yeah. Then uh, I think in my late in my teens. It was Blockbuster and then Hollywood Video in my late teens. I remember like there was a Hollywood Video on the corner of Western and Santa Monica that uh, I used to go to. And those were good like because the local place was honestly the size of a room, dude. And like, again, like they could get the new film, maybe 20 copies. And I'm exaggerating when I say 20. And if you weren't there when they came out, you were asked out for the weekend. Honestly, it didn't seem like it made much of a difference for big enough releases you could go to one of the chains like later on when those were a thing and they still like i'm sure they got more copies right they had to they're bigger stores they'd still be out of it like we were not whenever we went there we were not in the new release section we were always looking at either uh something we were looking for a specific thing that was past that new release window or we were looking at the bargain section so I would say, yes, like the new release was always like a buck or two more expensive. So unless you were really looking for it, but I'm telling you, like, I feel like my family and potentially this comes from being, you know, an immigrant. We like we weren't going to the movie theater for new releases. Right. Yeah. And again, that was in a time when television had the commercials and trailers. Right. So you look forward to a movie. But. Again, we never looked forward to the movie coming out. We looked forward to the movie being on rental. And I, I'm telling you, the three weekends a month, I think we would go and rent like two to three movies Friday to Sunday. And sometimes it was the same movies that had already come out, but that was the only way you were going to watch Commando more than once, you know? And I'm telling you, like when you watched those, when you rented those three movies, you watched them two or three times that weekend. It was insane. Uh yeah, it's it's interesting, you know, like, and now that I have like all these movies available to me, I do. I'm not going to lie. I do de- definitely rewatch them. I just rewatched Predator a couple months back. But it isn't like before where where because you were limited to what was happening in that video store that and again, and I think the only other thing was recording movies off television, right? To keep the to keep the VHS so that uh, so that you could watch it again. And I, I think the closest to that was like watching, like recording MTV or something off of HBO. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I distinctly remember like, like, yeah, either recording it or, or um, renting an old film. Movies that came out in 1980. Very excited about this section. I'm not going to lie. Any which way you can, Gabe. This was the sequel to the 1978 hit comedy. Every Which Way But Loose, starring Clint Eastwood as a trucker 
and bare-knuckle brawler roaming the American West in search of the long-lost love while accompanied by his brother-slash-manager, Orville, and his pet orangutan. <laughs> it, was just, it, was, it, was, it was a wild time. That, the first movie was so popular, they had to make a, make a sequel. Bare-knuckle buck boxing. They, they had to not only make a sequel, they had to add in the one thing they had excluded before. It had to be an option. That's true. Yeah, I think they, they learned that, that after you can't lose, you should just choose to go anywhere you can. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I got nothing. But this was the fifth highest grossing film of 1980 with a gross of $70 million in the United States and Canada. $70 million was a lot of money in 1980, Gabe. You got to see an orangutan. It, it, an experience. it was a very smart monkey, by the way. And oh, sorry, I, I know, like you can't just call it a monkey, right? It has to be. You have to address it as an orangutan, right? Like a chimpanzee. You have to. I, I've watched both of these movies more than once. These are fun movies to watch. I'm not gonna lie. There was a, a neo-Nazi biker gang that would that was also chasing them, and there was hijinks and all this and all that, and and like he. He really liked bare knuckle boxing. He was really good at it. He was renowned throughout the uh, country for it. It was a it was a hoot and a holler. Let me tell you. I, I sounds yeah. like trucker propaganda to me. I mean, the eighties were big for trucker movies, dude. I don't know if you remember, like late seventies. I think it was Convoy, and then yeah. uh, Stallone's Over the Top. It was a good time to be a trucker back in the eighties. Just no laws. Was the the wild west out there? Just how much how much how much speed could you do to keep going? Um, another movie that came out in the eighties, which is a cult classic at this point, is the Blues Brothers. Have you seen that one? I have. It's been a long time, but I have seen okay. it. Okay, I think we're gonna get to that point where you're gonna have seen most of these movies, huh? I don't know about most. I mean, we. I certainly you certainly couldn't say that about the Clint Eastwood movies there. You haven't seen Any Which Way You Can or Any Which Way But Lose? I have not. Those weren't those weren't uh those weren't the Clint Eastwood movies I would be looking for. If you put a if you put them in front of me before today I'd have been like if you just put them in front of me a bunch of movies and I would have been looking at the synopsis I would have been like eh, I'm gonna go with uh let's put him back in the cowboy hat or let's do some dirty because this was his transition away from cowboy yeah. movies. Mm-hmm. Into this, and then eventually into Dirty Harry, and what he, uh-huh. what he was able to achieve after that—that's true. Actually, that's a good point. People were not ready yeah. for this comedic no. Clint Eastwood. Oh, good for him. So, the Blues Brothers, a musical musical comedy, is actually what it's categorized as. By the way, directed by John Landis, it stars John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd as uh, Jake and Elwood. These were actually characters from SNL sketches that got turned into a movie. And it's a it's a ridiculous concept or the plot, right? It's basically two paroled convicts who go on a mission from God to save the orphanage that they were raised in. And they have to reunite their band to organize a performance to earn $5,000 to pay for the orphanage's property tax. See, this is what happened before GoFundMe. Way before GoFundMe. They wouldn't have had to travel as far. You had to jump through way more hoops. 
but yeah, I, I, I've, I've seen this movie probably, probably a dozen times. It's a fun movie to watch. Look, you're not going to get a lot from this movie. You're going to get really good performances. Everybody and their mothers was in this movie, dude. Like, I remember, I remember, like, uh, Ray Charles is in it. I remember, uh, what's her name? Um, Aretha Franklin is in it. Uh, Cab Calloway was in it. Uh, like, Minnie the Moocher. Um, I mean, John Candy's in it, like Shaka Khan. Uh, it just, it had a, a, re- a Carrie Fisher. She was a female lead. I remember now. Uh, James Brown's in it. Like this movie just was, again, happening. you're going to watch a performance of uh, a lot of musical performances in this movie and some really great personalities on, on Jim, uh, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd's characters. In that same token of type of movies directed actually by, um, by Harold Ramis and written by Harold Ramis, Caddyshack. Did you ever watch Caddyshack? Yes. You did? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. This one's familiar, too. I can't. I'm trying to remember. Hang on. Tell me about it, and I'll, I'm going to... So, this one stars Rodney Dangerfield, mm-hmm. uh, and it's about it's a golf movie. So, it's a, a movie about golf. It has, a Bill, it has Bill Murray as the groundskeeper, and yep. it has, like, a puppet uh, gopher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that ring a bell? Yes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but basically that's what it was. It was like it had, yeah, it had it had Chevy Chase, Roddy Dangerfield, and Bill Murray. Basically, it was, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was a movie about this guy who goes into his country club and because he's not accepted, he w- wants even harder to like be accepted and like gets Classic. and goes into this competition, this this uh, golf tournament. And Rodney Dangerfield, up until this point, I think this was his breakout role into movies because he was only known for his stand-up before this. Um, and it just, and I think this was Harold Ramis' first movie that he directed. So he had a busy year. 17th highest grossing film of the year. And I remember there was quite a few Caddyshacks. Part 2 had nobody come back except for Chevy Chase. And it was not good. I remember that. Rough. Some hard um, lessons learned. Yeah, but no, this was a fun movie. This was a funny, funny and fun movie. Uh, next up, we have The Shining, Stanley Kubrick. I've seen every Stanley Kubrick movie, so I will say that there are not a lot of his movies that I rewatch, though. Right? I I re I've seen this probably less than a handful of times. You know, like, like same with like uh, two thousand and one. You know, it, it's. They're they're good movies. Like they're visually great movies. Like I mean, yeah. with the exception of like Full Metal Jacket that I've seen probably twenty or thirty times. There's a, there's a reason that. <laughs> but this is a good movie. It's a very long movie. You've seen The Shining. I have not. You have not. Do you know what it's about? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I I'm not peeking, and I couldn't give you the synopsis myself. Now, okay, I'm so sure. I think I'll recognize that. Yeah, it's based on a Stephen King book. Yeah. It stars Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall. Okay, that's that one, yeah. So- yes. But basically, Jack Nicholson's character takes a job as a winter caretaker for a hotel that's like, uh, um, it's a summer location. So in the winter, yeah. it's empty, and they just need somebody to watch it. Um, but it just so happens that the previous caretaker had killed himself and his family in that hotel 
So there's the there's the the Stephen King supernatural like you know horror. The Stephen King magic sprinkling. Yes. <laughs> What's gonna happen if the previous people Nothing who bad. stayed here by themselves like murdered himself, uh, his family, and then killed himself? Uh, Jack Nicholson's performance is ridiculous. Holy crap, yeah. he is amazing yeah. in this. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, uh, this is one of those movies I think that we talked about earlier. Um, uh, the uh, Empire Strikes Back was released the same weekend as this, and this movie was only released in like ten screens. I think it was just to release the film. I think later on it got a wider release, but came out at the same weekend as uh, Empire Strikes Back. So you can only imagine how well it did. And the final movie we'll talk about today is Martin Scorsese's Raging Bull. Have you seen or heard of Raging Bull? I definitely know of it. I don't think I've seen it. Okay. So it is the story of Jake LaMotta's, um, he was a boxer, mm-hmm. 1970 uh, memoir from, uh, from the, 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 the book called Raging Bull, My Story. Um, it starts Robert De Niro as the lead character LaMotta an Italian-American boxer who self-destructive personality, you know, anger issues, just destroyed his career and his family. Um, This was the first time you see Pacino and De Niro working together also, which then turns into like Goodfellas, Casino, and just about everything else, the Irishman now. And also this was the... The um, debut first appearance for John Turturro as an actor. He has a he has a little scene in it. It's a black and white film. Uh, it's it's good, but you know it's a film I've seen once. I remember it still, but yeah, it was a fun film. That's all I can say about it. Uh, like I said, I don't I, I I I don't recommend it, but I don't not recommend it. It's a good artsy film to also see early work from Scorsese. Speaking of uh, first appearances, as I mentioned, John Turturro and Raging Bull, right? We have a couple other people. We mentioned Harold Ramis. He was the first time directing Caddyshack. Michelle Pfeiffer makes her first film in 1980, a movie called Hollywood Nights. Paul Rubens, who goes on to become Pee Wee Herman, makes his debut in 1980. Sharon Stone, who goes on to... Make Basic Instinct. <laughs> and a plethora of erotic thrillers. All right, now that we've knocked out all of the um, things that we want to talk about for the first episode of 1980, let's concentrate on uh, something new. What is uh, what is it, something that we're currently uh, doing, reading, listening, watching? I will start, Gabe, and I'll tell you that I'm on episode three of Andor. Uh, oh, I haven't even started. It. It looks really look. I'm a I'm a very big fan of Diego Luna. I think he's a fantastic actor. I think they're doing a so so far. Not a lot has happened, but a lot has happened at the same time. Build character building and 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 like building what the story is gonna be. I think is going really well. It looks fantastic. It looks like a movie every single time. I think that speaks well for the series. So the only thing I know about the series is that I've seen that it is the highest. Rotten Tomatoes score for a Star Wars property since Mandalorian. Oh came wow! Out. So another high water mark. And again, I think hopefully the lessons learned that you gotta you gotta lay the groundwork for the payoff because I think we 
that was a little bit. Did you, did you get to see Boba Fett? I did. I watched right, Mandalorian right. and Boba Fett. Yeah. They the they kind of just went straight for the payoff, and then they didn't do enough to have thing him doing things. It felt like it was just like here he is, and then they weren't. You know, they de- it definitely felt like they didn't bury the lead. They gave it to you, and then they were like, "Oh, what else do we do with him?" And then the story started to get a little. <laughs> <laughs> so they phoned a friend. They yeah, a and they did. Those were some they, of the best episodes. They did, but those three episodes in between, you were like, you were like, wait, so are we just? Is he just? Is that just his normal day? Are we just following him and what he does every day? Because it just gotta get groceries. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only thing he was gotta, missing. Like talking to his cooks. Like, hey, what do you guys? Some money. It did feel that way until the Mandalorian came bit. in. Um. But no, but I, 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 again, it's slow storytelling. But I, I'm watching it almost like an epic, you know, like a like a like a, a multi part movie because it looks and feels like a movie. And again, I, I'm a fan of all the actors, so I, I, I'm, I'm riding along. I'm going with it. And there is an interesting concept that they're talking about, right? Which is the Empire is at its peak, you know, and they're and the, the, it's that it's that the fall has to come, you know? And I think this is that that moment when the fall is going to come. So there is that sense of like, they're doing a really good job with building that sense of like just how big and, and you know, how powerful they are. But you know what's going to happen. So you're like, where did the shift happen, you know? So they're, well, doing, made, they're doing really that well. That's part of what made, uh, oh, now I'm drawing a blank of the name. What's the movie that they did? Oh, Rogue One. You are going there. You go. Rouge one. That's part of what. Uh, that's part of what. Like on paper, no one would fault you if you were a little concerned if Rogue One would be good simply because the foregone conclusion, right? We know where this is going, and we know that these guys can't be prominent after. You either can't be that big of a character, or you can't be that you know much involved because otherwise you'd be involved later. So. It's still though the story, the acting, uh, the build up to the important critical thing they're doing that all made it. That's what sold it. So again, uh, you know, if they're able to follow through again here, I think you can you can have something that's just as impactful. And I don't think they're going to have to phone a friend. Let me tell you, I think they're going to do just fine. It's cool to see. I, I'm I'm very excited to see a little bit of a different um, a different angle too on the on the conflict. And again, that's a little bit of something that that Rogue One provided, um, because we're very used to seeing Jedi versus Sith from all the different stuff. You know, we've gotten our peak. That's part of what made Mandalorian so interesting was you were seeing a different aspect of Star Wars, a different perspective. You were seeing it from the perspective of these survivors of this particular creed, this philosophy that wasn't, you know. And so here you're seeing a bit more of the cloak and dagger, presumably. And behind the scenes that built up to the major conflict as opposed to the Death Stars exploding with, you know, rings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it definitely, like, they could tell this story for a, if they wanted to. I think they could tell it for a while because um, you're definitely dealing with, like, what the people were going through, right? Like you said, mm-hmm. there's no mention of a Jedi yet. There's no mention of anything like that. It's just... This is what's happening right here. This is the oppression that the people are feeling. This, these are the working class people. So it's it's very interesting. 
These uh, are the people that were stocking the grocery shelves for Boba Fett yes, to go out and buy. To, to go and, buy and collect and you have to pay them and stuff like that. Yeah, all of that. So, yeah, so I'm watching that uh, two episodes in. I'm keeping up with She-Hulk. It's a fun show. Look, I don't like I saw somebody talking or not saw somebody. I saw comments of people saying like, oh, you know, they're just trying to milk it. You know, like they're just like what's they have to watch She-Hulk in order to see what the next MCU is. But you know what, though? I I am thoroughly enjoying this like episodic, you know, like comedy sitcom. That's literally what it is. It's it's a fun. Who says you can't have fun with these superheroes? There's nothing wrong with it. There is nothing wrong with it. I, I in my opinion, I'm having a lot of. They could they could make the next nine seasons of She Hulk where she has like dating issues and like work issues. <laughs> I would be in. Like she's a really great actress. It's a fun fun show. It really is. I think uh I think both both Star Wars probably I th- I, th- I want to say and uh MCU deal with like I mean on your way up everybody's real excited for you because it's a new thing and it's like what are they exploring but then being at the top and being able to persist first of all you're popular enough you're going to have detractors no matter how good you are because it's trendy to be mm-hmm. counterculture um but it's also a little bit harder to you know you get a couple things like arguably both of those franchises have phoned in, you know, some things at a certain point Oh, for sure. Uh, on the way, on the way up, there were some landmark things that they've both done. And then you, you, you phone in a couple things. You're trying to figure out what to do at that peak. So, you know, some people won't give you the benefit of the doubt going forward with whatever you do at that point. So um, I've heard, I, I feel like I've heard good things generally about it. So yeah, it's another one I haven't gotten into yet, but um, I definitely plan to. Um, did you watch the trailer for the Wakanda Forever? I didn't yet. I, I you know, I used to, I used to religiously watch trailers for things. Yeah. I used to go and I want to say AppleTrailers.com or whatever. And oh, I remember going to that. Yeah, yeah like that 10 was like years YouTube ago. To high that quality. Was. Fuck it, Gabe. Let's do a let's do a real time reaction to you watching. Oh, I watch. Okay. It's Hang actually on, it's up. actually very good. Like. I didn't do the whole like Easter egg videos. I picked up on three things and I was like, oh, that's exciting. I'm in. All right. But it's the latest one that came out. Maybe like. That looks pretty epic. I got to say. It does, right? Yeah. So they've I'm I'm happy to see that it seems like they've kept their style for their distinct style for Black Panther. Mm -hmm. That's exciting Mm -hmm. because it's something different, right? Because you can get a little bit in the weeds with some of the main Marvel stuff. There's a little bit of like this. A lot of this is kind of similar, you know, robots here, robots here, whatever. This is uh, interesting. Very interesting. And I, I appreciate the way they are at least attempting. It looks successful to handle uh, Chadwick Boseman's passing and incorporate that like respectfully into the. It feels like homecoming for spider-man how they addressed like tony stark being gone you know like respectful of the of the like hey we know he's gone we know the impact he left like we will like you see it in the background all the time while spider-man's being spider-man like we remember tony stark you know it's always interesting when they can it's a delicate i'm sure minefield for them to walk to do that when it's a real life Mm -hmm. you know because uh the, the closest thing i had it wasn't a death was a uh top gun maverick the way they handled val kilmer right 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 because they acknowledge 
him having gone through a thing and they try to incorporate it respectfully into the story and not just mm-hmm. cash in. So similarly, like it looks good. It does. Look, I'm, I'm excited. So a couple of things that really excite me, right? First, and I think kind of like you said, right? Um, Black Panther has done really well creating the world. Of, I mean, following the MCU, but also creating its own world, right? Mm-hmm. The same way like they treat Wakanda as a real, like people as a real culture. I like what they're doing with Namor, right? Yeah. Where you're like, if there was a sunken city and it was advanced, what type of people would this be? Probably Native Americans from Central or South America. So it has that feel, which is fantastic. I saw that he had, he, they even put in the little wings on his feet. I saw that he was flying in one scene. So I thought, mm-hmm. this looks exciting. This looks like, like they're, it's almost like tied historically, you know, like you could, you could say this happened. So it looks exciting. At the end, you get to see, you know, the new Black Panther and you can totally tell it's his sister. Mm-hmm. And then one thing I saw, and I don't know if you saw it too, but there was definitely an Iron Man suit. Yes, there was a, there's definitely a suit. I was like, Stark Tech? Are we? So the only thing I can think of is there is a, a comic book called Ironheart. And it's the story of a 16-year-old girl, uh, I think she's mixed or she's black, that builds her own Iron yeah. Man suit. Yeah. And I saw. And in that storyline, Tony, Tony Stark has passed away, but he embedded his brain into the, the, AI, right? the AI. And apparently, like he like he finds out or it finds out or or, or pepper Potts finds out about it mm-hmm. and and she gets access to his ai into her iron man suit and that's ironheart the 16 year old uh iron man so it seemed like that was what that was happening there so those three That'd be things an one. yeah namor being being uh you know an incan or a mayan um they the, also did you see the thing the only other thing i thought i hadn't seen the trailer but i saw the the headline blurb where uh, Namor's a mutant. Oh, I didn't see that. Which, I I don't know if that's just one of the things from the comic book. I don't know enough about the origin stuff, but like that's how they're weaving in. So how they're weaving in mutant. It seems like. So it just depends, right? Because if if they go with the original Namor, like he was around in the Second World War, he was part of the Defenders with Captain America and the original Human Torch. Fun fact: the original Human Torch was an android. Hmm. He, he was not human at all. Was he was not. Version. He was not the human torch. The human-esque torch. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a group in the 1940s, well, in the 1940s lore, that was Captain America, Namor, and the human torch. And they were the defenders, and they fought the Nazis together. Somehow, when the Fantastic Four came out in the 60s, they brought back the human torch as a human being. And they never talked about the android version of the human pretended. torch. Yeah. Are but, you sure I'm the first guy to have this name? Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. For sure, Johnny. Yeah. It's you. Human Torch sounds great. You're human. You look like a torch. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, um, I look like a torch. <laughs> but, but Neymar was part of those people who defended America against the Nazis. So I'm curious to see if they're going to go like that far back or like, you know, catch up in the 70s or 80s or something. How old are they going to make him? And if they are adding the mutant element to it, I'm curious how they're going to do that, too. Because yeah. the story of Namor is that he was living as a human being, had, lo- had, had had amnesia. And then it came back to him that he was like the, you know, the true king of Atlantis or the city under the sea. Um, so that 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 trailer looks awesome. Uh, yeah. I, I saw a meme online where it said... Uh, 
it showed Namor meeting um, Black Panther's mother. So, so in in one in one uh, in one picture it's Namor, and the next picture is Namor and Black Panther's mother. In the third picture, it was the new uh, the new Little Mermaid, and they're like, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Disney's crossing over. They got their they got their crossovers lined up. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, but yeah, so that, 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 I think that was a great trailer to see this week. Um, and then the only the other thing I'm still watching the Clone Wars, dude. I'm I'm like doing three or four episodes a week. I gotta tell you, I when I started watching it, I'm like, oh, this is a kids show. Season two, three, four. I'm like, oh, this oh wow, people get killed. Season dude, season five and six, people get executed, assassination styles. I'm like. Yeah, this this that show, dude, is phenomenal. Like, you start to handle some pretty heavy topics. They about do. Warfare, you they know? do. At least, at least they address them. You know. Yeah. Uh, so I'm on season six finally, or seven, I think. And um, and yeah, no, like I'm like this show is gritty. It is really good. Like I don't know why. And again, maybe because I'm late to it. Like maybe somebody people have already been talking about it for years, but but I didn't realize like how it goes from being like and honestly it, it did start it did start clean it did start nice but it has gotten like really gritty like and i was like wow this is a really impressive i i'm really impressed by that show i i like i'm really like again i can only squeeze in like you know if i'm watching andor i can't squeeze in like you know i'm i'm squeezing this in before work so it's like i give myself like an hour and a half or an hour and i'm like oh it's a 40 minute 42 minute episode of andor or two you know, Clone War episodes, and that's if I don't go work out. So it's very difficult to like try to keep up with everything. But but I'm still watching that and still thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, it's 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 really good. It's really good stuff. It's a high watermark for storytelling in Star oh, Wars, and yeah. it provided much needed flesh for the bones of the movies. You know, in the in the prequel, like the prequels, you can take much more seriously if you've watched. Clone Wars because it gives you the character development in between that you're missing that makes it make sense why does Anakin act the way yeah. he does yeah. what happened to these people that could logically progress them as opposed to just you watch one movie to the next and it's jarring yeah yeah so I'm still incredibly impressed by that show um, it's and even even when the story arcs where they like they like go off into like they follow the androids for three episodes it's still well done like I'm, I'm still kind of in on it you know and then the the other the other thing that I watched this week was a trailer for the Super Mario movie. It looks fun. I've seen I've seen the burns for it. It looks fun. I don't care what people look. I will I, I will I, say this. Look, you don't need a name for that movie. You don't need yeah. a Chris Pratt. You don't. That's one of those movies that's going to stand alone without Chris Pratt. And it's not like Chris Pratt's doing a voice. It's Chris Pratt. His voice. That's what everyone's clowning on, yeah. Yeah, like they're like his voice. But then again, I'm also glad he's not doing some fucking stereotypical Italian guy. <laughs> I'm a little glad about that. I think, I think the highlight, presumably, is going to be Jack Black. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm not. Not only that though, but I think it's going to be playing with the characters that we've all known. You know, like is Link going to make an appearance? Technically, he's part of that world. He is. Um, but yeah, no, so I, I, it was a fun one. And I'm like, okay, take out the whole, con, you know, the whole the whole Chris Pratt thing. That still would be a very funny movie. I think it's going to be fantastic. Um, God knows how much they paid him. If they paid him Groot money, that's ridiculous. 
Just saying. But yeah, so that's me. What, have, what about you? What, what's something new for you? What, what have you been listening or watching? So I am two episodes into Rings of Power. Okay. Which I, I, haven't, I haven't dove into those yet. Yeah, there are such strong opinions. I actually spent a little bit of time yesterday, like, I saw them bragging on Facebook about their Rotten Tomatoes, and there is a stark divide between the critical, like the critic, and the view- viewer score. Ooh. The viewer score is pretty bad. Like, the, the critic score is like, like 80-something, I want to say. That's surprising. And the viewer score is like 38 or 36 or something like that. Usually it's flipped, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends, right? Oh, right, right, right. Um, you know, when you have something like that, there's something going on. And uh, my understanding is that, I mean, it did get review bombed, I think, from the viewer side. Mm. But initially, at least, uh, my understanding was that, well, so it didn't happen. I don't know if Rotten Tomato, I don't know if it happened on Rotten Tomato, but wherever they could. Because Amazon owns some review thing. I don't think they own Rotten Tomato, but they own something, and they were removing one star reviews that were suspicious. Which fair? Well, it could be from their that. own. It could be from their own reviews, right? Amazon reviews. Well, they own. They also own some other site. I can't remember oh. what it is now, but I, I was reading about this, and it's just so com- it's so complicated. They, this this is there's so much external mess that it's hard to judge the show and its merit because there's so many external things about it. Like I've seen more articles about like you know controversy related to it and money spent and all this stuff that it's like yeah, black hobbits black elves all that that's the only yeah. one i see online all the time that's a big yeah that's the big you know anyway so two episodes in visually stunning like we've seen a whole lot of your rural and some of your elven stuff and we just got into dwarven stuff and it's like spot it's what you'd imagine you know you've got like mirrors pointing the sun at crops and all kinds of devices in the background for like the dwarven stuff and the the architecture being lower for them so like people are ducking it's like it's just it everything fits the style you know the dwarf arms and armor like everything looks stunning which i mean it should again the money spent that's that's where you're spending a lot of it so very high production quality visuals are great the acting, I think the acting is credible. Like you've got a couple of the the younger like hobbits that are are, are uh, prevalent or putting in like a real good performance. Um, I don't have any complaints about any of the other. Like you know, I think it's it's good at least. Um, not that I'm a super critical about that. Uh, and then for the story, it's slow so far. But again, I don't think that's a bad thing because I think they're trying to do a long haul. Like I saw something yesterday saying like five seasons is what they want to get out of this. Okay. And so, like, you got to have you can't you can't immediately get into the like let's start chopping the heads off of orcs in episode you know two because <laughs> you gotta you gotta wait. I mean, I again I'm less familiar, so I, I've I've done the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings proper like countless times reading them. Like I read them annually for a while mm-hmm. for years, and I hadn't done as much as like I have not read the Silmarillion. Or some of the earlier stuff that's more text textbooky. I, I think very few people have. <laughs> well, I mean, super fans have like big fan. Like this is the kind you've got those kind of people watching this. Some of whom uh, I know online and I've seen comment positively. And then of course some people they clearly they don't have the rights to do those stories, so they're doing their own story that's kind of built on the ideas of that. But like it's not that, which to me doesn't matter because I don't know those stories anyway. So. Mm. 
I know roughly the setting and what's happening based on the premise for the more, you know, future content. I mean, we'll see where it goes. Like at this point, uh, I'm not, um, the story is, it feels kind of basic. I guess if I was going to criticize, I'd just be like, okay, like they're, they haven't done anything that's hooked me particularly for the story, you know, in, in anything more than just its basic premise. But I got, I don't have complaints. I don't, I wouldn't give it like, if I was going to score it right now, percentage, I might give it like, like a, a 70 or something like right now it's like it's got all the elements but they really needed to up the ante on hooking me with something for me to like really okay. but like it's certainly it's certainly good so like i'm not sure like I, I was i was i scrolled through and read like the first page of comments and it was nothing but like one and five stars jesus it was like there was like a two-star <laughs> review in there like there was no in between there was people you know there was obvious like junk where someone was like this show makes me want to kill myself one star and then there was people that were like, this is the best thing ever. If you had eyes, you'd know that. And I was like, that's over. That's the other way. Like, that's like, I, you know, I'm a super fan of Lord of the Rings. And I think this is the best thing since ever. It's like, wait a second. Like, the person that did the two star said, I just watched the Peter Jackson movies before this because I wanted to get a direct comparison. And so far, just not blown away. And I thought like, OK, that's a fair perspective. But I think two stars is a little underselling at that point. Like, I think a three star with that comment makes kind of sense because I think, like I said, a 70 is fair. You know, for the for the property so far, because I think they do the onus is on them to make something interesting out of it because you've got all the, the, you know, the parts. And again, they captured the visuals. They nailed it there. So, like, make this something that, you know, um, really hooks you. Um, they have some intrigue. So we'll see. Like, I, I think it's definitely got a chance. Um, I know that they're wrapping it up like as they're releasing it. There's like two more episodes to release oh, before okay. the whole season's out. Um, so I'm way behind. But um, I, I mean, I like it. Nice, nice. Anything else you're watching, or anything else that uh, that's come on your radar? So for for watching, uh, I mean, I have not watched anything super interesting. I did, I did a, a recently. I was listening. I did a little bit of quick prep um, for a concert. I went and saw uh, MCR last night. My Chemical Romance. Oof. I gotta tell you, I'm a little jealous because I'm a huge MCR fan. Huge. Um, my exposure to them was limited to whatever the radio okay you know um it was it was whatever was uh was playing so i there, there was about there's probably five songs that i was like yep i know what this is and then the the rest of it was i had i had done some cramming the week earlier my friend she made me the playlist to prep for it which is what we do if we're going to a concert we the person who's more experienced with the band preps a playlist um, that's of, that's of, actually of, that's good that's smart work to do <laughs> yep so what we hadn't gotten because it this was a delayed concert. This was a they were supposed to do this in 2020. They were supposed to appear here as well as Aftershock. They were going to they were going to be on tour and then of course what happened happened, you know, COVID right, and right. so it just got delayed 2 years. It wasn't clear if their opener was going to be still their opener. Uh it ended up being so taking back Sunday. Oh, okay. Um, open Forum, who, again, I'm also passingly familiar with. Right. From, you know, what was on the radio. I'm familiar with the name. But uh, it was a good show. No, um, I, I imagine. They look like they do they do performances. Like, because I, I, I got into them with, uh, with their Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge album. Mm-hmm. And then the Soft Parade, I'm sorry, the Black Parade. I was just like, fuck. 
but they seem to change their persona because then I remember the 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 Killjoys album, the Danger Days album, where again they changed their persona and much like like it's the theme of the album, you know, like that they become those characters. Because I remember the Killjoys had like a comic book and everything, so they always tend to do those type of things. So there's very much like a, a performance. So I, I'm I'm very very like you know interested in, in how that was. This one, it, honestly, so this was one of the less theatrical okay. concerts I've been to. So they uh, they had their, like, uh, city, like, wasteland kind of city backdrop mm-hmm. with lighting. And f- pretty simple uh, outfit. You know, there, there was no, like, theme or... Okay. Or, and I think I think they played broadly across. I mean, they, so, have, they have 20 yeah. years. Well, actually, if you think about it, they made what five albums before they quit, right? They were only like they, they were ten years, I think. They made albums and then they, they like took that, a yeah. ten year break when they when they separated. That's interesting. So they played from yeah. all their albums, right? Basically, yeah, right? across yeah. yeah across the board. Um, that sounds awesome. That I'm not gonna lie. It was good though. I mean, it was, it, they they looked good. They sounded good. It was good uh, energy. Um, crowd was super into it. Like the place was, you know. T-Mobile Arena, so it wasn't it was big, but it wasn't too big, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and it was just it was it was a fun show. That's awesome. That was good. And again, like most, basically every, like I got to qualify the genre, but like anything that was punk into rock into metal, everything all of that sounds harder live than it does <laughs> on the album. So like that makes sense. It's always it's always more impressive live, and of course it's that you know it's less produced, you know, raw quality and like. You know, they can flourish and do more things live. So, I, I mean, it's always fun. And it goes for everybody. It goes all the way up to and including Metallica, as from my experience. Like, it always sounds like more powerful live, you know? No, that makes sense. I'm and, telling uh, you, when I saw Fall Out Boy, I was like, this is a really good live band. Like, I, I, I enjoy their songs on the radio and, and, and everything. Yeah. But it they do know how to do this live. Like, it's just sounds way bigger and more powerful yeah yeah, no i I get it i get it and and so you got some really good uh you got some really you know you know dare i say like metal like breakdowns and 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 riffs in you know mcr when when you're there to witness it so it's it it was very energetic very entertaining nice nice those are the big standouts for me honestly like i uh my pacing for consuming uh uh Content has been a bit slower with everything in, in life going on, but um, I do have those 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 milestone things happening still periodically, so it's good. Nice. Those are the big events, though. Yeah, no, very nice, very nice. Uh, but yeah, so 1980 episode one. I I uh, I think we're we have a format and we're working it out and uh, and we're gonna get better at it. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think this uh, weather. Whether we like it or not, we're gonna keep doing this for another year. <laughs> it's good stuff. I mean, I again, I think I think there's a lot for 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 me to still learn and uh, take away here. So I'm excited because there's definitely gonna be more things that I've seen cause just because there's more time to have seen them, and uh, we're gonna be covering the iconic stuff, um, presumably a lot of the highlights, and I will have seen that. But there's still stuff to learn in there. So uh, as always, I'll, I'll be taking notes. Awesome. Thank you, everybody, for sticking around. Welcome to Season 2, and we'll see you next week.